Hi, Leela. Hi, Kieran. Hey, decoders. We have this special guest with us today, Miss Leela Suto. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. So Meg has been a little unwell, and Leela has stepped in to help with this week's podcast. How were your holiday gifts? You know, we've spoken with the decoders at length about how hard it is to buy something for a different avatar than yourself. So I just have one question for you. Did you love everything the Hobbits bought you? <laughs> what to say here? <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily, no. <laughs> okay, let's get into the show. Hi, I'm Kieran Trace. Welcome to Humans Decoded, a story of hobbits, fairies, elves, dwarfs, gnomes, and humans. If you get lost at any point, there is a deep dive on all the different avatars in episode one. It includes notes. Thank you for joining us in a fun little chat about the vast potential of our human makeup. So, Decoders, as I mentioned, Miss Lula Sutor is joining us today, and we're very lucky. She is a professional um, journalist, yogi, and energy healer. She is also a master coach with the Kieran Trace community. She offers energy healing sessions, which is such a beautiful support when we're mm. doing coaching also, um, and when we're undoing our um, various belief systems and we're coming into our body. It's really great to have an in-house energy healer. Hmm. So Leela is going to join us. And um, if we're lucky, she'll come back again and we'll talk more about her and her work. But right now, let's do what's in the bag. Hey, what's in the bag. So Leela has been looking at some of the stuff and you've got one for us. Yeah. This person writes, as a hobbit, I find this game to be very exciting because I love my bag and my stuff. If I leave my house without a bag, I feel naked. <laughs> I carry around a tote bag with many functional pockets inside and out, and it is made of natural fibers. In my bag, I will have snacks, sunscreen, light sweater, deodorant, charging cord, headphones, vitamins and herbs... Wow, lip balm, hair clips. <laughs> wow. And then it has extra space for some groceries or shopping if I do so. <laughs> that a is a big rucksack. Holy, fantastic. Um, yeah, that's like, tell me your hobbit without telling me your hobbit. <laughs> All the stuff you have in your bag. Yes. Each, every eventuality, your. And I love that there's like extra bags in the bag. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, We've had a pretty cool questions coming in about like, am I a fairy or am I a hobbit? We were deconstructing, am I a gnome or a hobbit most recently? And so in today's episode, Leela's going to help me decode the difference between fairies and hobbits, because again, there's like so much overlap. Sometimes that can be subtle. So something that you guys all know really well about how to tell the difference between a fairy and a hobbit is that hobbits are the slow, pottering, you know, forward-moving kind of movement versus a fairy that is very, very quick, but they collapse. And some fairies collapse constantly. And therefore, if you're a fairy, you could think you're actually slow. And so that's where confusion can happen. You're like, well, mm. I'm really slow. But it's like, is it slow or is it regularly, constantly collapsed? <laughs> and that's, you know, subtle to listen to. 
Um, and then especially if there's a lot more overlap, like both fairies and hobbits are really earthy. They're both really upbeat. They're both fun. They both really heart-led. They're both crafty. They're both whimsy. There's one sure thing, though, to tell them apart. Hobbit versus fairy. Hobbits are like grounded and they finish things they start, as opposed to fairies that are more circular. Maybe less grounded sometimes. <laughs> and they initiate, not necessarily finish. 100%. Yeah, totally. Although both are coming from love, right? They mm. love you. They want to hug you, kiss you, be with you. <laughs> Maybe they want to have sex with you. <laughs> <laughs> They're both voted the most adorable, we're going to say, because sure. of this, right? Yeah. Um, they're both like giving life. Hmm. The difference, I'm going to say, if I had to boil it down, to hobbits, everything matters. Right, it's like really, really precious, <laughs> my precious. <laughs> and to fairies, nothing matters. <laughs> it's a very light touch. I think about like um, Megan has a favorite artist Bjork that she talks about a lot. And Bjork's obsessed with every mm. single detail, like everything matters in her work and it's slow like she's very slow at publishing material and new pieces um she's currently narrating a documentary about fungi um versus like madonna <laughs> who's like got a chart top in song right now called nothing really matters <laughs> love is all we need um and I'm going to say that's totally that's totally it. I mean, both of them are tactile. Both a fairy and a hobbit are high touch, which let that that what Megan always says they touch to love. They have to touch everything. They have to interact. Both fairies and hobbits are interacting with so much stuff. And um, over the holidays, we've had both hobbits and fairies here um, at our um, estate, and we've had like. It's just so they're just so crafty together and they're touching everything and they're yes. arranging everything and they're hanging things. And you can see that they're both really in their homes or maybe it's like tech or maybe it's games mm. or maybe it's clothes, but it's very tactile. But there's a difference in how they touch. So, for instance, with the fairy, um, there's a term in uh, pottery called slip casting. And I think the analogy, it makes for a good analogy. There's the slip casting versus like hand building pottery. And so slip casting is like this thin clay slip that's poured into a mold and then it dries really quickly. And that's how you mass produce really beautifully fine finished teapots and all the ceramics versus hand building, which is hours and hours of manipulating the clay. And you're creating that handmade like nook or cranny. And it really looks hand done. Um, and you know, like it's, it's like the paint and the glaze you can, you can see. So slip cast is like simple, efficient, uh, very smooth, polished, you know, and, and the, the hours and hours of that hand pottery. So I think that's really the difference is that um, the way that tactile touch is moving, um, the analogy is that the fairy is sort of slip casting things, whereas the hobbit is doing that hand building. Um, 
And P.S. According to a really well-known potter that we know who's a hobbit, they have told us that if it was elves that we were imagining doing it, they, the elves would be doing the pottery wheel. <laughs> and they literally just have to sit. <laughs> they just have to sit, put the clay on it. Do nothing. Do nothing. <laughs> and the shape will come out. <laughs> um, and it's fast. Ten mugs, <laughs> 20 minutes, done. done. I love that analogy. Like I hear a lot of like a difference in the stamina between fairy and hobbit. Yeah. Like hobbits can go for hours and hours as opposed to a fairy that's slip casting and then collapses. Yeah. And then it's done. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. One other thing they have in common that we find is they're both like the center of attention. They're both like, as you were saying before, they give life, but for a fairy, it's an outward movement, right? They go out for the attention as opposed to hobbits, they turn in, they go in, and then the attention comes to them. Yeah, they're like, so adorable. They're so big-eyed and warm heart-centered that yeah. everyone leans into them. <laughs> right, but and the fairies are like, ah! <laughs> Kissing and hugging out there in the middle. <laughs> yeah, and a great way to also like think about the differences between them is if you have a piano, like a keyboard. Yes, you played the piano for 20 years. I sure did. Yeah. Or not not, not professional. professional hobby. But yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's like fairies play the extreme of the spectrum, like right? Like the left, far left of the, the nodes and the far right of the nodes on the, on, the, on the piano board, as opposed to hobbits. They play more in the middle. Like it's more the... What everybody likes. Right. The major chord. Meg talks yeah. about that. The major chord is the hobbit and the theory is that higher octave. Yeah. Or really low octave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The extremes as opposed to the middle of the hobbit, which makes them so liked by everybody. Like everybody wants to hang out with a hobbit. <laughs> They're great. <laughs> <laughs> so are fairies. Yes. But fairies have this beautiful, unique thing going on there right okay so there's the difference right we've got jack and jill of all trades they can both do a lot of things um we've talked about they're crafty they're whimsy the fairy's gonna hit that really unique note and sometimes that's a note that's like literally never been heard or seen before and that's that's the beauty of wanting to hang out why everyone wants to hang out with a fairy like if you think about janelle monet or Prince, mm. you know, they're really coming from places we haven't seen before. Um, and hobbits are more that major chord you're saying. And fairies are that slightly otherworldly that you don't have with a hobbit so much. Um, yeah. And both of them are playful, silly, goofy. Both of them are going to prank you. <laughs> hobbits are going to do it in a really wholesome way. Fairies. More mischievous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hobbits are friendly and fairies are charming. Yeah. So charming. Yeah. We can think of, of um, examples like Billie Eilish. Who's a hobbit. Hobbit. Adele. Adele hobbit. And then if you put them together, like Billie Eilish versus La Rosalia, really different. Adele versus Lady Gaga. Yeah. Lady Gaga being the fairy, Adele being the hobbit. We talk, talk about like that major chord. Everybody yes. sings these songs. Everybody loves these songs, which is that Adele. 
And then you've got that Lady Gaga, which is really unique. It can be much in. more polarizing, right? Yeah. Like people like her or they hate her. Yeah. It's not so... Totally. Not such a common place in a way. Yeah. Okay, so in the debate of am I a fairy or am I a hobbit, we're boiling it down. If you have to, if it had to be the one thing, it's that the hobbit, everything matters. The fairy, nothing matters. <laughs> That's great. And then you can see there really is a lot of overlap there. Mm-hmm. Okay, listen, we've got some beautiful questions that have come in. And I love the question so much. Please keep sending them in. It, I think it makes the show great. So mm. you've got a really great question there. Let's, mm-hmm. let's, let's break it open. So Anne wrote, I've loved Kieran's work since around when Tools for Sanity first came out, but happened upon the podcast at least 15 episodes in and found this whole typology absolutely delightful. And I've never even read Tolkien. I don't know why it's all so completely delightful and confirming. It just is. Full stop. I think I'm an elf, she writes. (laughs) And of course, there's cognitive dissonance, which is the why of this question. I've been so conditioned not to label myself and others, not to typecast, categorize, etc. As if it's a form of judgment. But this is just decoding, right? Not judging or categorizing. Can you tell me what the difference is? Can you help me understand why this is important and so completely delightful? Loving the question. Love that question. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's great. great. Okay. <laughs> and I want to hear the answer for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think, Anne, what you're talking about is what is discernment versus judgment? So when we're analyzing something and there's categories and there's types, this is all forms of awareness. And awareness helps us to see the details and to understand it. So for instance, like a rose is a rose. Whether we label it or not, it's still that, it's the experience of that flower is still the experience of the flower. But understanding the family of origin it comes from, understanding what kind of conditions it like, sun, rain, soil types, understanding if it's poisonous, like all of those details are part of its story. And yeah, it's story, but it's God's story. It's, it comes from the rose itself. Mm. And in awareness of the rose, we start to notice these details and we have more intimacy. Now, that's discernment. It's all coming from this awareness from the rose itself. Now, here's the tricky part. So then how do we know if it's judgment? (laughs) Judgment is when the story came from you, not the rose. So judgment is uh, more separation, (laughs) me versus the rose. And it's coming through the filter of you, So, which is really different fears and maybe it's different concepts, ideas um, that are – rooted deep in your belief systems. And so those belief systems have these inborn filters. And when we're looking at something from that filter, we're actually missing information. Mm. We're missing detail. And obviously, 
in ourselves, it's harder to catch when we are filtering something. When it's me telling a story about that rose versus the rose telling its story. Right? So one is a very present, open, spacious awareness, discernment. Another is judgment, my own filter, my story laid in over the story of the rose. And so in ourselves, we can just kind of be listening for the difference here. And honest to God, like it's, it's fine. Everybody does it. I don't think you're going to hell or you're a sinner for judging. <laughs> you know, thank God. Um, but you can see that you're just feeding your belief systems. And the more we feed our belief systems, the less authentic we can be. And the less authentic we can, we are, the less at home we feel, the mm. less, at ease we feel and the less connected to source, creator, God, whatever your term is, you feel. So um, that's the only challenge. The only problem with judgment, like I ain't got no, I'm not showing, I don't throw shade on judgment. Like we all do it. The only problem is that it's going to lead you into more indulgence that takes you away from it leads you into impositions and postural shapes and effort and disconnect. Um, mm. And it's so, you know, like, again, it's like, it's, there's no shame here. It's just, that's what happens. Um, <laughs> so the way to tell if it's discernment or judgment in yourself is you're going to feel a little grip. When we're working with those filters of belief systems, there's a grip of effort. There's that grip of that posture. There's a grip from our story. Um, a grip is like um, a charge, like an energetic little charge. And um, it takes time for us all to start to understand and feel through those charges. Sometimes those charges are obvious to us and sometimes they're less obvious. Um, but after a few years of self-awareness, um, really watching when you go into effort, when you go into performance mode, when you go into like he said, she said, a hmm. gossip space. You know, when you start to make those judgment things, and sometimes it's just in yourself rolling through these judgments and it's really coming from a story of injustice or not safe belief where you're just like labeling telling a story about another person through your filter of belief in order to, you know, the the illusion is there in order to keep yourself safe. You know, like how this person got cancer, or why that car accident happened, or what's going on with, you know, world affairs, and, and it can all mm. sometimes be coming from that belief system. Um, and then all you're just going to, you're going to feel the grip of that, mm -hmm. the charge of that, the too much effort of that. Um, and that is what judgment is versus the simple awareness that creates discernment and detail. Yeah, precisely. Like there's so much support I find in in the discernment, like in this knowing your avatar, for example. There's support. It's not a it it doesn't create that separation, and so it's a decoding of the codes. Like this whole podcast is about the decoding of the codes that life put into play, not you or Meg or anyone. Like this, these six human suits. It's cool. It's just true. And I get that, like, you want to you wanna ask that question. Like, we've had hundreds of years of pathology-driven labels that our system rightly wants to rebel from, so we can bow to that. But when we hear truth of any kind, 
yeah, it is a delight. It just feels like that exhale, Kieran says. It resonates like a bell inside of our hearts. Yeah, I love that. Another way that you can tell that it's just discernment, it's just awareness, is it's because it's what's true when it's this when it's mm. the rose's story of the rose, right? Or, or you know, like it's it's the actual um, truth of its own existence. Mm. It naturally feels like delicious. It feels yeah. effortless. It, it, I love what you're saying there. It's like bells inside your mm. heart. We are capable of recognizing truth. And it, and the more we talk about it, and the more we practice it, and the more we lean into it, it's just more and more available that, that like, you'll know what's true. It's delightful. Yeah. Truth is delightful. Reality is nice. And you, you know it in your body. I like that it's like the bells in your heart. You won't know it in your head. It's not the mind's place to know it. Good. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Leela, we've got another question. Do you want to take this yes. one and read it? So this person writes, I have been on the awakening journey for some time now. I'm very used to dying. <laughs> there was a lack of proper guidance and understanding, and it was painful as a teenager to go through when none of the people who are expected to guide me can do anything. A lot of unnecessary resistance and drama. I lost a big chunk of sense of self while my body was not ready at all, and I was completely disconnected from it. There was so much energy, but I kept moving it to the head because I thought I was petrified after suddenly losing identity like that. Head would literally spin all day for months. It took some time to understand that I'm not possessed. It is somehow pure energy, so I started moving it to the body. Still, I was not convinced that the body is the answer. <laughs> it took my dumb self till now, after so much dying that could have been easier if I had been in my body more, and not just when I had no other choice. That body is the answer. So here I am, asking questions about your embodiment class. I would say I'm pretty awake, but not all the way. I hope you understand what I mean. And she asks, so is this class suitable for me? I think a lot of our listeners will understand what it is to be in an awakening journey, which is literally just saying this journey towards ourselves, towards the authentic being. And that can be authentically the shape of your avatar, your personhood, your being. Mm. Um, and it can be authentically getting to know that which source is it. Um, whether you call that creator or God or um, source or goddess, what, whatever your own language is for that. Um, and she uses the word dying a lot, and that's literally just the sense of those belief systems shuffling off <laughs> like a skin, you know, like, a, like how a snake would shed its yeah. skin. They just sort of shed off. And often as those belief systems shed off, identity was in there. I am the one who is brokenhearted. I am the one who suffers. I am the one who can see this injustice. So I will, you know, hold the activism mm -hmm. pose. Like I am the one who is, 
you know, struggling to be seen. I am the one who cannot be heard. You know, like I am the one. We have this identity that is tucked into those beliefs. And often as we come home to ourselves, as we, as we, um, whether it's a spontaneous connection with that source energy, whether it is through self-awareness, you know, how all the different ways that one, all the different portals to come closer to one's own authentic space, um, these will slough off because these belief systems are these impositions, these postures, these efforts. And so as they fall away, um, and if they fall away very suddenly and very rapidly, mm. it actually feels a lot like dying. It's like, where did that part of me go that I identified so deeply with, or I mm. built my whole life around it? Um, and they, and they fall away. And it, it, it doesn't even have to be such an obvious belief. Like, I believe there's injustice in the world and I built my life around an activism and then suddenly that fell away <laughs> and I have no motivation. It, it can be subtler forms as we become more authentic. An identity of like being, I'm a good mother. I have a huge identity. I put an enormous amount of effort every single day in being this role. And then that belief slips off. And that really is a belief of like unworthiness or unsafe is the bigger root of having to be a good mother, you know, or a good father or a good provider. And then that the belief system of unworthy or unsafe falls away and you find yourself with considerably less passion for this role, which ironically makes you a better parent than ever. Mm. Because if you were parenting from this impositioned role, it's just pure effort and there's effort being transferred to your children mm-hmm. uh, through the energetic field. But there can be a real unnerving sense of death when that passion, which you thought was your motivation, goes away. In fact, mm-hmm. there's considerably different motivations that are much more beautiful, sustainable and effortless and therefore powerful. If if you, separate self, doesn't have to sustain it, if you, separate self, doesn't have to build it up, if you, separate self, doesn't have to effort into it, that's a powerful motivation. It moves on its own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so some of that comes from coming into the body and being inside that body. And uh, a lot of our life, um, it does seem like, I don't want to be in that body. (laughs) There's drama in there. There's broken hearts. um, There's pain, physical disability pains. Most of us, I'm going to stay up here in the mind. It's very scary down there. Um, We have obviously these belief systems I'm talking about, but many of us have these big ones called I don't belong. And sometimes that comes across as like, I don't belong here. This is the wrong planet. You know, get me out. And that's coming from a bigger fear of injustice. But you hear it a lot, especially in spiritual circles. I don't belong here. This is the wrong planet. I showed up in the wrong wrong family, you know, wrong country. Like, I don't, I just don't belong. Um, and of course, we also to, you know, we couldn't put a fine enough point on how much body shame people have. Um, whether it's just shame of the f- appearance or the, the sexuality or the drives or the, even just like hunger, thirst, yeah. you know, basic body movements. People can have a huge shame 
So it seems like the last place we want to go is the body. <laughs> um, but that's inaccurate. That's a whole lot of fear defining where you're locating. And the effort of that fear to locate outside the body is it's a lot. It is, in fact, so much easier to locate in the body. Mm-hmm. And the crazy thing is, it turns out um, it's actually wonderful in there. The body is vast and spacious, you know, sort of like when you look out at the night sky and you see the stars and you get a sense of how vast the universe is. Inside of ourselves is a a vast energetic world. It's vast. It's much bigger than you think it is. And so there's plenty of room for heartbreak and you. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lovely, lovely place. Something wonderful happens. It can be very grounding. It can be very soft. And that doesn't mean that the trauma's not there, the pain's not there, whatever, you know, like it's not, but it turns out it's actually lovely. And then suddenly it is so much easier to hear your body. And it's so much simpler to hear your, your own delicious yes. Like it suddenly yeah. is totally simple. And then it's also totally crazy. It seems, excuse me, the, that word is not a useful word, I think, these days. But it seems totally um, anti, you know, like anti-intuitive to not just follow it. Like, um, follow your delicious. And then you do follow it. And then everything just gets so, so, so much easier. <laughs> Um, so living in the head or out of the body starts to feel really whack and totally effortful and unnecessary. Mm-hmm. So, um, embodiment is for all of us and awakening people and people getting to know a lot of self-awareness or getting to know their source energy, creator energy, God energy, um, you know, just the presence of this unified field, um, being in the body and grounded in the body is enormously supportive and useful. So, um, yeah, the class is for you. Embodiment is for you. Um, I think we just have another week or so left to sign up for it by the time this airs, um, or just even a few days. But the next time around will be September. We, d- we do two classes every year. So um, if you missed it this winter, it'll open up in September. But in the meantime, we have this master coach, Leela Sutor, with us, who is an embodiment coach. Um, and she has a beautiful series on our website, the two minutes, um, a two minute grounding and embodiment practice of which there's, I think there's many, many, many videos. There's so many. Yeah. There's a lot of variety there to pick from. Okay. Um, cool. And they can find that on the coach. We'll put a link. We'll put a link in the show notes to Leela's series to help you come into your body and you can get to know Leela a little bit um, and and just start to feel for yourself what it is to like ground into the earth, right? Yeah. And I mean, I kind of want to add to what you were saying before that for many of us, we just don't know how to be in the body, right? It's not just that we don't want to. It's like we don't know. We've never learned that. We've never had that guide or the guidance to actually come into the body. And so my little two minute videos are, I think they're great guides to get a sense of what that actually feels like to 
come out of the head and into the body. And then you discover it's, as Kieran said, it's just a wonderful home. It's a wonderful place. It's so... Uh, Endlessly delicious. delicious. Yes. Agreed. Cool. And Leela, will you join us next week and we can talk a little bit more about your work as an energy healer and specifically for our decoders, we'd love to hear the journey of you uncovering your avatar. Sure. I would love that. I think there might Can't wait. be lots to share. <laughs> uh, we've never done this in the show, you guys. So next week we'll talk about um, what it was like for someone to take a journey from not understanding their avatar at all to um, deeply knowing it and the various stages of coming home to that. That would be great. Looking forward. Okay. Bye, y'all. Thanks. Thank you for listening. We obviously love hearing what you think. Your feedback helps us make a better show for you to listen to. So feel free to comment and you can do it at Facebook, which is the Humans Decoded Podcast with Kieran Joyce and Megan Rokel. And um, if you're not on social, you can always email any questions to us at outreach at kierantrace.com. And um, thanks for listening. We love you.